great to talk to Mao, the general manager of West United Football Club. Some great insight into how you uh, run a football club and the challenges and all the situations that you have to deal with being a football administrator in this part of the world. And Les, as I said in the intro, great get and uh, some real insight. Mm. Yeah, no, indeed. Look, uh, Mal's a, a, a great character and, and just an all-around great guy. Um, had the pleasure of uh, meeting him several occasions and, uh, yeah, he's just an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to football. One thing I did note, though, Nathan, with regard to the challenges, that the salary cap was missed. I mean, that presents its own challenges, but uh, that's something maybe we can dive in with uh, with Mal on another uh, occasion in the future. Yes, indeed. Uh, that's got to be up there with one of the one of the big ones. I'm surprised that it wasn't mentioned. Actually, it's. Uh, no, I just thought of it. Up. I just thought of it mm. now. <laughs> mm. <It> slipped <laughs> Mal's mind. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But Les, there's been so much football in the past week. It's been over a week since we last recorded, and there's been so many things that can catch our eye and what? so many things to dive into. But we must start. What an surely. up late! What an up late this will be. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy, indeed. Uh, don't you worry. We are going to touch on Spurs. We are oh, going to I touch hadn't... on... Um, I wasn't even going to talk governance. about that. I wasn't going to talk oh, about that, but there you go. You weren't going to talk about... No, come on. I can't believe that. It's self-explanatory, Nathan. No, 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 no. Spurs should be at the top of the agenda this week. Oh, okay. In your in your eyes. I mean, any excuse to rip in, but... <laughs> well, it seems that way. <laughs> Surely we have to start at St. James' Park. We can, if you wish. I, I just, mean, like I said, I'm cognizant of not being just an EPL show, right? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, so much. There's so much in the world of football, which is just ridiculous. I mean, look, and Mel mentioned it: the craziness of the Adelaide Perth game mm. last weekend. What a game! I mean, and who scores? Who scores the the equaliser for Adelaide at the end? Of course, it has to be. <laughs> you know, mystery. <laughs> I mean, what a talent that that boy is, mm. really. What a talent that I, I said it on another episode, but it's amazing how quickly everyone's shifted from uh, the Grand Qual pipe train. Mm. Grand leaves to go to Europe, and mm. okay, he's no longer on our shores. How quickly everything shifted yeah. to Irukunda. Yeah, yeah. Irukunda's just an amazing talent. But look, that's an amazing game, and I, I know that we half jest, but we don't actually, that the A-League is quite entertaining in its own way, and it can be considered the best league in the world in the sense that of of the entertainment that it can provide both good and bad <laughs> <laughs> you know I, we laugh we laugh but no but you, you, you it laugh. is the best league in the world because yes it's not the highest quality it's not the premier no, league of course and we're not, not saying that we're not saying no, that it the best league in the world yeah. the a league is such a wonderful watch mm. and there's been so many games in the last couple of weeks mm. I don't think you're going to get one better than that Perth Adelaide nah, game last weekend. Nah, but I, I think there's been so many games and so many moments like it this season. I think, I think we're going to get a couple more this weekend. I, I, yeah, yeah. Now I it's agree. It's so with good. You. I agree with you. I think that was the game of the season. It has to be. It has to be. I mean, there have been some great games this season, but I think that is the game of the season. It's just been, it's just been nuts, actually. And you think about what um, Al said as well. Sydney FC, Western United. Yes, it didn't go Western United's way, but again. You know, Sydney FC coming back, making it through all. It's just been a crazy league. And that's why you've had basically almost every game in the A-League this coming weekend actually um, will have an impact uh, on, you know, on the table. Like as far as top six potentially, also Australia Cup. Like at what stage a team will enter the Australian Cup? Um, do they have to have a playoff against each other? 
to get through to the Australia Cup uh, round of 32 because of the way that it's set up. It's just fascinating. So it's, yeah, look, you know, should be a fascinating watch this weekend. It's just a pity that we can't get the kickoffs all at the same time. That would be awesome. But anyway. I mean, the scheduling is still pretty good. Yeah, it is. It but is we have the good. top four going head-to-head yeah. first. No, I agree. And then the rest of the teams having their yeah. matches all in a row on Saturday. Yeah. And just on the A-League, I put out on the Twitter last week that I'll quote it. Not too many times has the A-League men's been in a better place on the pitch than now and in this season. Yeah, Hard it's been to ignore the off-field problems, mm-hmm. but the product itself is everything it needs to be. Yeah. And look, this is where we've said, just get out and support it wherever you can. We know it's not the best as far as the EPL and Liga and what have you, but it's, it is, it's what we have. And look, let's support it. And obviously it's a two-way street. The clubs have actually got to do their bit and connect, as Mal said as well, right, with their uh, communities as best as they can. But it's, yeah, like, just if you're a lover of the game, just get out and support the game. That's all we can ask for. And, you know, it it should be be an interesting weekend. A-League Women's Grand Final this weekend, like we touched on with Mal as well, that's a huge game. And, you know, Sydney FC have had a success of failure when it comes to the Women's League, you know, the A-League Women's Grand Final. Well, six grand finals in a row, isn't it, for Sydney FC? Yeah, yeah. And the last two that they've lost, you know, they've lost lost the last two on the trot, and they could lose this one. Yeah, they, well, they lost a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, obviously, it's not going to be the same game. We're not guaranteed the same results and uh-huh. mm. completely different factors at play. But most United, maybe they got the one on, one over them. And you say, get out and support it. Same applies to this weekend in the A-League Women's Grand Final. I 100%. saw that if you're a football participant under 16, you can go for free with a Liberty Pass. That's great. I do source that one out if uh, if you fancy it. And it should be a great, great time out there. And yes, there's a lot of pushback on the Grand Finals decision. Yes, it's in Sydney when it should be in Victoria. But still, that's all by the by. There is a fantastic game on this weekend. The culmination of a great season. Go out there, see some of the best women's football you're going to see. And then... Go and have a good time. 100%. 100%. Another thing that's happening this weekend is the Heartbeat of Football Make It Red. That's mm, this weekend. Yes. So so uh, please visit theheartbeatoffootball.com.au slash make it red and donate uh, to your ability. So, um, yeah, it's a big weekend as far as football is concerned. But I suppose we should talk about Newcastle United. I suppose we should. I mean, I'm happy to hold I mean- off. I'm happy to hold fire, but you come know. on, gloat. No, look, no. I'm actually, I, I no. I, I'm actually cut about uh, Real Madrid and uh, oh, I mean, and, that, I mean... and that loss to Girona. No, not in terms of uh, Champions League preparation. Not happy with that. No, but sure, you knew the title was gone anyway. Yeah, no. Look, I conceded the title. Uh, you know, and, and look, uh, it's it's done. Especially with Barcelona beating Atletico during the weekend, but. But then they lost this morning, which... Uh, yes, well, yeah. Yeah, it Leaves the door open. It would have mm. left the door open slightly ajar if you, if you guys if kept Real winning. Real but... won. Exactly right. You know, if Real had won. But, um, look, did you see the uh, all the motorbike uh, riders uh, escorting the bus, the Napoli bus, once the Napoli players had returned from their victory against Juventus at 3 a.m. in the morning? <laughs> Isn't that something? They're, Isn't that something? Football culture. Yep. It's, it's incredible. It's and they can actually secure the title this weekend. Yeah, I thought they could do it last weekend with yeah, but definitely this weekend they can. Yep. Uh, um, Napoli have to win at home mm-hmm. against Salernitana, and uh, they have to rely on Lazio not beating Inter. Yeah, which, which is, is at the San Siro. Possible. It, uh, look, it, it effectively, yeah, it's it's yeah. effectively done this weekend. 
mm. uh, by the look of things. So um, Napoli's third um, Scudetta, incredible season, incredible Absolutely. season. Absolutely, and I hope that team doesn't get pulled apart. We always see it when a, a, a surprise champion comes mm. around that the traditional big clubs or the ones with more money at least come along and pluck apart the team, take away the best players. And in this instance, you would see the likes of Ossiman go, Kvaracelia go, Kimmin that, Jay. Do they go? Though? Do, do Does Ossiman go? Does the Georgian Messi go? I mean... I hope not. I hope not either. I hope that team sticks together and actually is able to go and perhaps retain the Scudetto, make a deeper run in Europe. In the, yeah, I was going to say, at least say another two seasons if possible, right? So they can make a deeper run into a Champions League because, oh, I think they, look, they were the dark horse, but Milan, AC Milan have got the wood on them. Mm. For some reason, they've got the wood on this, uh, on, on Napoli, and um, they can't shake it, you know? Um, yeah, it'll be inter- interesting to see what happens in the Champions League semi-final between the Milanese clubs. I've actually, I think that AC Milan will get it done and actually will be in the final even though Inter by right should beat them. Yeah, I think, I don't know, AC Milan just have that knack, don't they? Mm. And, hey, the way it's going in Syria other season, we might have a Milanese derby in the Europa League next season. Best goalkeeper in the world, AC Milan, I think in form at the moment, Magic Mike. Sure. It's Courtois, surely. Oh, no, no. I, I think that he's just, just ahead. And look, I'll even say this. Uris, if Hugo Uris, um doesn't play in the World Cup final and Mike um, Manion plays, <laughs> the result could have been different in the World Cup final. I mean, you can say the same about putting a traffic cone in net for France. <laughs> I don't rate him, eh, Lloris? No, and you're not the only one. And look, we'll, you know, obviously it's a great segue into what happened at St. James Park last weekend, right? But um, I'm, I'm giving you all these segues, Laz, to talk know, about Newcastle Tottenham. Take me up on one. No, okay, I'll take you up on one. No, but um, yeah, I, I think that um, AC Milan will uh, be in the Champions League um, final from that side of the draw. And I they will worry. lose. Yeah, I, I think that they will go down. I think they'll yeah, go down. It doesn't matter yeah. who they play. Um, I think Real Madrid can knock over uh, Manchester City but uh, over the two legs, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but if there's one team that's capable of doing it, I think you know a manager like Ancelotti and the team of Real Madrid can do it. Well, the best club football you can get is the Champions League semi-finals. I agree for drama. That is for drama. Yeah, yeah, for drama and for level. When you have both both things at the same time, nothing comes close to Champions League semi-finals. And in the way the bracket was drawn, that for mine, Real Madrid, Manchester City is the Champions League final. Whoever wins that Mm. probably will go on on whoever. More than likely. Qualifies from the Milan semi-final. Yep. It will be fascinating to see how it goes down. And look, City look untamable at the moment, just like Cullen's hair. And it's going to take something special <laughs> for Real Madrid to go and beat them. We need another miracle like last season. And it happens in Istanbul. Mm. You know, so uh, AC Milan have got history there, as we know. So, um, yeah, having lost... Uh, was that the last one? I think that was the last Champions League final uh, played in Istanbul, actually. The Liverpool 3 all and Liverpool win on penalties, 2005, I think. It I is, think. Yeah. yeah. Yep, 2005. Yeah, incredible. So, all right, let's talk St. James Park. <laughs> let's go. Let's Laz, go. I, I didn't even have this game on for the first 10 minutes. I'm getting a message come through <laughs> saying, what the hell's going on? Uh, I'll put it on. Ten minutes gone, and what? It's already two nil. I did. It was three. And they go and score it was a third. Three nil. They go and score it, a fourth. Go and score th- a fifth. It was three nil at the ninth minute. <laughs> and I've never seen anything like it. Uh, look, that performance on the weekend six one was incredible. And the fact is that 
if Stellini, who's now been sacked, which is another story in itself, right? Which we'll come on to if we have to. But um, <laughs> but with but the fact is is that if they don't make that substitution at the twenty fifth minute mark after going five nil down and change the formation back to three at the back, um, that score could have been ten at halftime easily, mm. it, and it would have been. Like it, it, it would have been ten nil at halftime because every time Newcastle were going forward, they were scoring. It, it was just incredible. Newcastle, like Tottenham, could not do anything. Um, they weren't, they weren't, but they weren't even pressing. They weren't, they weren't doing anything at all, right? And makes you wonder what the mentality is of um, of these Tottenham players. I mean, they've got to play Manchester United tomorrow. Not that I pity them, but I think I that mean, I think that you know that is a. Would you call it dis- disgraceful? I just think they were blown off the park and they weren't ready for it. And I don't think the manager did them any favours by changing a system on them, although I counter that by saying that they are professional footballers and they should be able to adapt to that. And attitude it doesn't matter. It like, doesn't Attitude isn't a reflection of the system that you play. Attitude is a, is a reflection on your approach to the game mentally. Yes, I agree with you to an extent, but mm. when... You change this Tottenham side who have played as a back three for how many seasons now? Under Conte, under Jose, under Nuno, perhaps prior to that a little bit more as well. They've played in the back three pretty much every week for years. The change to back four for this game against your top four rival where you know if you lose the game, you're probably done for Champions League football for next season. It's mind-boggling that that's what Stellini put out on the pitch. And you say it's mentality of the players, how they approach the game, but Pedro Porro... Uh, Ivan Perisic, they're not players to put in a back four. Even Pedro Porro playing back in Portugal, he always played in the back five. Yeah. He doesn't have the awareness to play as a proper right fullback in a back four. And it's just the timing of it. If they pl- tried it against a side in the bottom half and mm. it worked okay, then you take mm. it to St. James's Park. I get it. You're going for a little bit of a switch. You're trying something different. But don't tear up the blueprint before you go to your biggest game of the season. Yeah, I don't think they realised that that was to be their biggest game of the season. I think they underestimated Newcastle. Really? I think they underestimated Newcastle, um, and they went and they got their tail spanked, and quite rightly. But if you're going to turn up with that kind of attitude as well, they weren't. They just weren't at it. They just weren't closing players down. I mean, Newcastle were just on absolute fire, and the way that their ball movement and the speed that they actually played at, it was just, you know, that's why it could have been ten at halftime easily. Um, I tell you what, it's been a long time since I've seen a Newcastle side play like that. And where even when the change was made, the substitution was made, Newcastle was still Spurs. Granted, looked a lot more comfortable with the formation, having gone back to that what they knew. But Newcastle was still the better side by far, and could have scored more. You know, it was just an incredible performance. And it wasn't Sars' fault explicitly as to why they were down five nil inside twenty minutes, but. More on the system, and it is harsh on the guy, but correct, correct. He's the fall guy, and I, I found it interesting that uh, Hugo Lloris didn't come out for the second half. Apparently, he had a hip injury. Hmm, I find that hard to believe. But it was taking a long, a, a long goal kick. I'll, well, I'll get my tinfoil hat out for that. <laughs> uh, I don't think you have to look far because no. I, I, I agree with you. Because surely there was some sort of bust up at halftime, yeah, and something's gone on. Something had to have gone on, and, and be, yeah. I'd be disappointed in the Tottenham players if there wasn't some sort of bust up at halftime. I think there was. And look, Fraser Forster um, actually um, came to Spurs' rescue as well during the second half there on several occasions. So I think, uh, does Fraser Forster start this, you know, against uh, Manchester United? I believe so. But 
and for the next couple of games, perhaps. Well, he did whilst uh, Lloris was out injured, and mm. there was times there where he didn't cover himself in glory, but hey, it looks like you can't win either way because the Spurs keep you pick at the moment. So Stellini's been sacked off the back of it. The caretaker manager's been sacked, yep. along with the rest of his staff. And a message from Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, yes, Daniel. Just the, Daniel. The very personable Daniel. Mm. <laughs> uh, Paratici's resigned. Mm-hmm. Officially this week. Yep. Pochettino set for Chelsea. Yep. Where to from here for Spurs? Where do you go? What do you do? It seems like they have no idea what the plan is. Do Spurs qualify for Europe? No. I, I think, think Spurs that, finish eighth. I think they miss out too. I've got them down for eighth at the moment because mm. Villa have gone through. Yep. I think Brighton go through, and I think and, Liverpool go through. And I think I'm right in saying that Spurs actually play Villa after Manchester mm. United. Yep. So <laughs> you know. Hey. I mean, Villa's and, already beaten them this season. And Leeds, who were uh, battling for uh, survival. So their run home is not very uh, is is not an easy one. So. No, it's not. And they play Manchester United in the morning, and the backpackers listening to this, they'll know the result of that game by then, yeah. before, or by the time they listen to this podcast, and maybe mm. Spurs have turned up and uh, tried to make amends for the weekend's showing, and just looking at it with the points and the gaps and that, it draws a decent result for Manchester United just to yeah. keep them at bay and yeah. for the rest of the season. It won't look like a good result given what Newcastle did to them, but if you offer me a point, I'd take it now. Um, Spurs, though. I, I, think, I think you should be aiming for more. I'm sorry. If Manchester United don't turn over Spurs, even though I know Spurs will be at home, hmm. then you know what? Manchester United don't deserve to finish top four. So the thing is, for mine, I think top four is done. Mm. And the only team who can really disrupt it is Tottenham if they can get their act together. No. Well, they I won't. I think it was too far back. I wouldn't be so sure. Oh, okay. It, it could happen. But, Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, Spurs. Yeah. Well, I think we're done with Spurs. Message from Daniel? Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mr. As, I don't as, particularly like football. I just got into it for an annual turnover. As Elton John says, you know, it looks like Daniel. Yep. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Look, I think I've had enough Spurs chat to last me for for a little while. I don't think they deserve any more of our time, to be honest. Uh, no, they don't. No, they don't. Let's uh, jump back to Italy. Let's go. Because I've got one more story that uh, probably should have come out 10 minutes ago. But sure. Juventus' 15-point deduction uh, yes. Yes. has been reinstated. Yes. Temporarily, yes. anyway. And uh, they're going to hand out a new sentence at the end of the season. Uh, potentially a nine-point deduction. Which I was going to say. Intended, <laughs> It'll probably intended be tw- punishment anyway. But yeah. surely it's going to be whatever, how many, however many points they made the top four by, plus one. I was going to say probably 12 points, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised Sparkle. with that, actually. I was surprised with that. But, look, mm. you know, um, good luck to them. Good luck to them. They were able to to uh, to get it reversed. Although it didn't help them with the uh, Coppa Italia semi-final overnight. Uh, Inter's uh, gone through to the final. So Juventus get knocked out at the semi-final stage. So, yeah, so it's well, a shame. They've still got Europa League to fight for. Yeah. I actually thought that they would uh, they would have uh, been knocked out at that, you know, against Sporting Lisbon. But, um, yeah, they've managed to get through. And maybe that's the silverware that they can pick up this season. I think Sevilla have some sort of juju with this competition, I tell you. Or Roma. I actually am favouring Roma myself. I can see... I'd like, uh, I mean, yeah, like to see Sevilla-Roma in the final. Yeah, Jose lifting it. Roma having Champions League football. Then he can go for the three-peat. Conference League, Europa League, Champions League. Wouldn't that be something, though? <laughs> no, like all jokes aside, mm. wouldn't, wouldn't that be something? It'd be the biggest accomplishment that anyone's achieved in continental football, I'd say. Yeah, that, that's incredible. That that would be incredible. Mm. 
they like a team like Roma who have been struggling for so many years to win the Conference League is an accomplishment in and of itself. Mm. If he goes and wins the Europa League this season, that's in the stratosphere. Make make it a three beat, and then just yeah, there's no superlatives to describe what that achievement would would feel like for him. But hey, Jose's back. Yeah, yeah, Jose back. I don't I don't see him leaving Roma anytime soon though. No, definitely not the Chelsea or Tottenham. No, well that pots the Chelsea. I mean, look, that's it looks like that's on the cards. It looks like that's going to happen. I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. It's an improvement. Yeah, okay. It's the best manager they'll have had since Tuchel. Tommy Tuchel, which is, not, which is not saying much. Well, considering how he's going at Bayern, but is the you know he's lost as many names as uh, names games as Nagelsmann has right this season, which is incredible. So mm. Tuchel's a disastrous only... month for Bayern Munich. Yeah, so just incredible. Right. Um, Bayern may not win the Bundesliga by the look of things, the way this is going. Oh, I mean, never underestimate Dortmund's ability to bottle it. No, that's true, right? But I'd actually be favouring Dortmund right now as I sit here. Mm. It, it, it's I don't see Tuchel turning this around anytime soon. I mean, yes, Bayern have the players, but it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. No, no. And it's going to be an intense run-in. Very much looking forward to a German title race. We haven't had one for so many years now. Mm. And... Yeah, looking forward to see how it unfolds because Bayern, obviously out of Europe, dumped out of the cup. Now they're trailing Dortmund in the Bundesliga. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's getting to the point now where heads have got to roll. I guess so, but they've already sacked the uh, the manager. They're not no, going to sack upstairs I'm talking about. Oh, in the boardroom. Oh, well, yes. Mm. I mean, so there's seven games away, right? The seven games away from the end of the season. Look, Dortmund has a one-point lead. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, basically... It's in Dortmund's hands right now. It really is. So for mine, they're in the box seat. So yeah, yeah. What did you What did you make of a world class finish from Pinarol that uh, we posted? What a goal that was that you oh, gee, you alluded us to. It's a ninety seventh, ninety eighth, ninety seventh minute winner, minute winner from Pinarol, a Uruguayan club, a historically Uruguayan club. Yeah, it could be the best last kick of the game, quote unquote. Winners I've ever seen. It's up there. And it, I mean, the cross has come in long, high, and he's had the wherewithal to hit a bike to win the game in the 98th minute. It's incredible. And he connected. He connected with it pretty high, and he's what is probably about I would say about 17, 16 yards out. I mean, so between mm. the penalty spot and the 18, you know, close to the 18 yard box. I mean, just an amazing strike. Amazing but strike. Taking the context of the game out of it, it's still a fantastic bicycle. Oh, it's a great, it's a great mm. goal, and and that should win Pushkas, you know, oh. the Pushkas Award this year because yeah. just for the the skill level involved with that. I mean, there've been some great goals that we've seen this, you know, so far this calendar year. But oof, geez, that's got to take the cake so far. Yeah, no arguments here. Brilliant yeah. goal. Yeah. What else took you fancy this week? Uh, a couple of things. Let's go. Uh, quick mention on Wrexham. Champions of the National League. Yep. We are covered we are, them off a bit a couple of we, weeks ago. Are we overhyping this thing? I mean, look, it's definitely worth the, the story because they are his, a historic club. Mm. And granted, Hollywood owners, and that's why yeah. people are all over it, right? Um, you know, so it, it's it's an amazing story. There's no doubt. But are we overhyping it? Mm. I think the, the, the nature of it being the foreign owners, the Hollywood owners, the famous actors who are in charge of the club, that's the only reason anyone's talking about Wrexham. If they weren't there and it was just not Scanny who were on a 100-point season, mm. it'd be interesting, but it wouldn't be something we'd be talking about. No, that's right. Um, 
and they're the most interesting team outside the Premier League, maybe the top of the championship as well. You take out the top, what, 30 teams in England, they're the most interesting club. Ah, uh, hang on. In terms of the season, in terms of uh, the season, right, sure. the hype surrounding it. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, that's fair. That's fair. But I've been trotting out a little stat a week ago, and I lost exactly what it was, but mm-hmm. I found it again. And since promotion replaced re-election from the fifth tier to the fourth tier in England in 1986, mm-hmm. there 53 teams promoted yep. to the Football League from the conference. Yep. Not a single one of them have ever gone back down back at the down. first opportunity. Yeah. Not yeah, one out true. of 53. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? It's an incredible mm. stat. Um, and, and, and something at what point that, are we going to get more yeah. teams up and down? Uh, okay, if you're a Football League club director, would you be voting for that? No, you wouldn't, of course well, not. But... Well, that's the trouble, right? So... <laughs> That's the problem with things down here as well. Everyone acts in their own self-interest. Yeah, correct, correct. And look, they're acting. They look, they're, you know, directors are charged with the interest of, you know, maintaining the interest of the club that they're representing. So it's not obviously in their interest to vote for their own potential demotion. So you know, relegation. So, but based on that state, if I was the EFL, I would be voting for more clubs up from the from the conference. Oh, one hundred percent. Clearly, they're yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, no, good point. Good point. Um. Something else that caught my eye, Lars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's Alexander Seferin has been talking again. Ah, uh, stole my thunder. Well. You stole my thunder. I don't have a list. Yep. You know, you, you know, we come unprepared <laughs> for this. We just noticed. We just not note our points, mental notes, and then we go. Yeah, let's talk yep. about it. But yes, tw- okay, go on. Twenty twenty six Champions League final may be held in the United States. Wouldn't that be something? Hmm. It'd be something. It would be, yeah. No, it would be something. It certainly would be something. I don't have a problem with it myself. No? No. And I'll tell you why. Look, I mean, look, at one point, and and this was on the cards, and yes, the scale is completely different, right? But um, the Greek Cup final was supposed to was... You know, there was a serious proposal for the Greek Cup final this year to be played in Melbourne. Uh, but the two things, one is that um, um, they decided to, well, they had decided to play it in Cyprus because the end of the season and to limit the travel because of the pending Euro qualifiers coming up that would be after the um, Cup final. So that's why they've um, decided to play it in Cyprus. Uh, basically, to stop the long journey down to um, to Melbourne for it, but I don't really buy that to be to be honest. I, I do, I do, because also there's an election on in Greece that day as well, so that's why that's. Uh, oh, that that might be more on the money. Yeah, so there's yeah the national elections on that day, so that's why that's um, been uh, all all connected with it, right? Um, and uh, they've elected to play it in Cyprus on that day. So, um, but the. I can tell you that that was seriously on the cards for a period of time. So it may well happen in the future. But when you have the Spanish Super Cup with four teams being played in Saudi Arabia and you have other things as well, which is you know similar nature, you've had the Italian Super Cup, I think, played China before. This kind of move to play the Champions League final in, in the United States would not surprise me. Do I like it? Well, I don't mind it myself. I'm not fast. Would it, if it would If it makes... It easier to go attend a game like the Champions League final, then I'm all for it. Right, person, purely selfish point of view. <laughs> I mean, you and I are completely opposed to this. For mine, it's a disgrace. No, sure. Come on, live a little, open your mind. Don't be I like mean, that. No. Everyone, what well, everyone, the reason why these things keep popping up and why everyone wants to take 
finals abroad is because everyone points to American sports and say, look at the money that the Super Bowl generates and yeah. we want a piece of that action. Of course. I guarantee you the NFL will never take the Super Bowl to Europe. Because they'll nobody... Re- hang on a second. They'll take no. regular season's games to Europe. No dramas. Well, they have done before. But yeah. why, and, why, yeah. Because, number one, uh, all the Americans would be up in arms. But they're the only ones who care about the Super Bowl. They're the only ones who care about the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Whilst... You know, the Europeans, they'd be happy to watch it. On Most of the Europeans are resigned to the fact that they'll never go to a Champions League final because, one, either their team's not playing in it, um, or, secondly, they can't access it because normally it's for the elites anyway. And, and you know, two-thirds of the ground is um, is being sold for sponsors. So if that's the case, well... Well, that's a separate point. No, well, listen, hang on. We're looking at it from a purely, like, okay... We're looking at it from, yes, as a football fan, but also let's look at it from a business perspective. If you're UEFA, right, and you've got demand for it, why not? Why not? Because the, the UEFA Champions League, yes, okay, tradition, I agree. Yeah, look, I understand. It's the very nature of the event. It's, the, it's called the European Champions League. No, most people call it the Champions League. It's a short form. No, but they call it the Champions League. They don't say, oh, the UEFA Champions League. You know, it's, you know. It's something that um, definitely warrants further debate. Bottom line is that you're not for it. You see it as a insult to the European Champions League and to the European continent and to all Europeans. Am I right in saying that? Or is that just a sweeping generalisation? <laughs> I mean, I would use harsher language. I'd, Feel free I'd say to. This uh, is up late. You know that. We can put the explicit yep. rating on. Uh, not even explicit. I'd say it spits in the face of every European football supporter. Wow. Okay. Because abroad, hang on, hang on. European just, based. Just, hang on, European based or outside of Europe based? Because that's the thing now, right? Because if, like I said, I'm looking at it from a purely selfish point of view, is it not easier for an Australian like to get to oh. LA? So let's say the Champions League final was hosted in LA. My lord, as if you wouldn't go. Oh yeah, of course. It's easier to get to LA. Is it easier to get a ticket? If it Maybe. if it if it was easier to get a ticket, if it meant that it was easier to get a ticket to this to a Champions League final, then yeah, why not? Look, I think that's a problem that you can solve by your way for not selling more seats to sponsors and boxes and these sorts of things and allocating more tickets to supporters. But as I say, that's a separate point. Imagine if we had Maybe by 2026 we will have a proper fairy tale in the Champions League. Something, someone like a Napoli mm. continues on this upward trajectory, and mm. they're on their massive. They're on a big run in 2026. Yep, they make it all the way to the Champions League final. Yep, and instead of having the final, it wouldn't be necessarily at the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium, but somewhere close by where you could have a lot of people not just attending the game from Naples, but attending the city because you get mm. a lot of people travelling that don't have a ticket. Yes. You're going to ask all of them, instead of spending a couple hundred euros at most to go to a neighboring country, mm-hmm. to go to the city, you're going to ask them to spend so much more to go to the States. I think it'd be horrible. Listen, I think what UEFA are doing here, obviously testing the waters to see how strong their brand is overseas. And I think they know full full well how strong their brand is. Man, I could see that a Champions League final would, could be played here at Homebush, right? And it could be played here at 4 a.m. in the morning, like the same time that we watch it, and you'd get a full stadium. Oh, 100%. Okay. So 100%. Because you know what? You'll have all of Asia come down to actually watch the game. But my point forget, is... Forget the, Australian, like, forget the Australian market. You would have all of Asia 
come down to watch the, a Champions League final to be played at Homebush at 4 a.m. in the morning. Right now, ridiculous time, I grant you. But that's what time it actually kicks off here. It would right? sell out even if you limited the just people in Australia. And not only that, this you know, like think of it this way, right? Big sporting events, which this is a sporting event. And maybe we can speak to, you know, maybe this would be a good topic to get someone that I'm just thinking of to actually who yeah. does these kind of promotions, right? Alexander Seferin. No, no, no. But <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't name them yet. I'll see if I can get them. <laughs> but um, to actually get their take on it, because this would be the ultimate hypothetical, right? The, the fact is, right, is that if you were to bring a Champions League final here to Sydney, and played at four o'clock in the morning, it would sell out. I, I have no doubt about that at all. Right? Sporting events are held at all times, of, all times of the night. I mean, I, I mm. you know, Rumble in the Jungle. Right? Yeah, that was held at four a.m. in the morning to suit the American TV audience. Forget the rest of the world, right? <laughs> so you know, but that's it, it's just insane. Mm. So, but I'm not arguing with you on that. Mm. I've got no problem whatsoever that. If you held one outside of Europe and put it at a time frame that to suit Europe, it would sell out. No problems there. Would you be pissed but, off? Would you be pissed off if UEFA decided we're going to have Sydney host the Champions League final? Look, no, because I'm because of the selfish side of things, I would go. Thank you. Right, but at the same time, I would still be pissed off that they've moved it away from Europe. I wouldn't. I could. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Because I'll also tell you, right? Mm. If I want, was to go to a Champions League final. Mm-hmm. I would want to go to one in Europe. That I understand, right? That I understand. And look, I mean, you know, we've uh, discussed it before, but I actually remember being in Madrid on the morning of the Champions League final of last year's Champions League final and seeing the, the you know, the flux of people that were leaving mm-hmm. Madrid in Real Madrid jerseys just flying to Paris and how many flights were actually going to Paris and none of those poor coots had a ticket. They were just going to Paris for the day to, you know, to soak in the atmosphere and to go watch it at a live site. Those people who went to Paris, they wouldn't go to LA. No, I understand your point. I, I get it. But what my point is, is that I don't have a problem myself. As I, I don't have a problem in actually that being explored. Now, doesn't make it right. No, it, it, like it, I, would I be uncomfortable about it? Yes, I would be because I'd be thinking, okay, the potential backlash of that. But at the end of the day, um, you could try it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. See, the thing is, once you open that jar, you don't put the lid back on. Okay, tell me this. It's not It's not something you can just undo. You can, if they ever host a one in the States, yeah. 2026, yeah. I guarantee you there wouldn't be one back in Europe for years to come because 2027 would be in Dubai, 2028 would be in Doha, and I'm it sur- goes on and on and on. I am not surprised that that isn't on the cards because don't forget that we moved the whole World Cup because it couldn't be played in the Middle East at that time of year. Money talks. Yes, and that's where my point is, right? Because it, it seems as though, and look, you know, I may be wrong, but how much would Istanbul be paying, the, the city of Istanbul or the Turkish government or whatever the case is, be paying for the privilege of hosting the, the Champions League final this season? How much? Not Yeah, not nearly as much as they could get from an overseas market. Okay, so if you are a director of UEFA, and you're charged with, you know, with trying to increase the revenue streams of UEFA and trying to, you know, uh, disperse these funds across to the weaker football nations in Europe, such as Gibraltar and and Andorra and Liechtenstein. What a Champions League final in Andorra. Let's go. And, 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 right. <laughs> so, 
if you're charged with that responsibility and you're faced with this, hey, New York are charging, you know, New York want to buy the rights to host the Champions League final for X amount, right? Whilst the European cities are like just happy to host it, they don't care. They're not, but they're not going to pay for the privilege of hosting it, but they're happy to host it because of the influx of revenue that they're, you know, that they're uh, hoping to uh, bring into their economy, right? Whilst an American city is willing to pay for the privilege of doing it, what would you do? So this is the debate, isn't it? Well, it's the same this is debate. What it comes down it? to. It's the same debate as the Super League, in essence. No, it's not the same debate in essence, as the Super League. It no, is the same. Different. It's different. It the Super is League the... is different, completely different because... No, it's a, no, it's the same argument because it's all right. about how far do you maximise revenues? How far is too far when it comes to maximising revenues? Hang on. Is it right. okay if we're going to have a closed-up shop so we can have Real Madrid versus Liverpool every second week and we're going to take that game to America or to it, the US or, or to the UAE, I should Nathan, say? Nathan, it's not the same argument because... It is, though. No, wait, that argument that you're purporting with regard to the Super League is with regard to merit, right? Whilst this argument is purely on hosting rights. Two different things. Completely different things. Now, are they similar? Is there a sense of similarity to it because it's all about the dollar? That is the only common denominator there. There is nothing That's else with point. regards to that. Okay. But the other one, and the reason why people kicked up a stink at that, about that in Europe in particular, is because promotion and relegation is part of the culture of the game. So, and also promotion and relegation in being, you know, going into the European um, uh, sphere as well, right? As far as cl- the clubs are concerned. So, what are we talking about here? The well, I think difference... moving the Champions League to America changes the fabric of the game. You may be right. And I concede that point. I, I understand where you're coming from with regard to that, especially when you say, hey, if I am a you know want to go see the European Champions League final, I want to go see it in Europe. Sure, right? Um, but I also can understand and appreciate the UEFA director side of things where they're saying, okay, well, hang on, we've got this off on the table. So what happens now if if you're at UEFA, right, and you turn around and say, listen, you want to host this, you know, the Champions League final? That's fine. Madrid, you've got to pay 20 million euro for it, for the privilege, hypothetically, right? You know, are they going to start charging the, the cities that to try and increase revenue that way when they can just go to the to the American market once every so often, I guess, or Asia for that matter, and just go, you know what, we'll come to you, you know, We'll take it outside every five years and make it, you know, or three years, right? Because- I see, but they do charge the cities the hosting rights. That's why you see a lot of European finals in Eastern Europe because they're the places who stump up the money to Not host anymore. these tournament finals. Not anymore. There's been a whole There was war. a long stretch there where you saw sure. a lot of European finals in Eastern Europe because they were the ones who wanted to pay for it. Well, it's because they wanted to. Yeah, sure. I, I understand. Yeah. Um, Paris didn't pay this- for it. Oh, well, that's a separate point. Russia did. Sure. And then they paid for it. Well, that's, well, that's right. <laughs> In a different but, sense of the word. Yes. But, you know, um, you know, I, I doubt whether Istanbul is actually paying anything for it this year. I think they, they, final. Oh, they would have to. The country's almost broke. Where are you going? Yeah. yeah. There's an economic Find a tenner down the back of the lounge. You know. Hey, well, or a million lira. Yeah. A million Turkish lira. But anyway. But um, yeah, look, this is one of the age-old debates in modern football. It's, it's a, fascina- a case of it's a fascinating how debate, far this is. This is modern consumer culture as well. How far do you alienate your original base to push the envelope and generate more income, more revenue? How far is too far? How far are the original oh. supporters willing to put up with it you, whilst you, should, you go and chase revenues from a new angle? You should know about that because you're a Manchester United supporter. Yeah, I mean, I'm, my club is to blame for that as well, hundred percent. That's all I have to say. 
Hundred percent. No, no you're one, living it. No, 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 no club capitalizes on the commercial side of football more than yeah. Manchester United. And you're living on, yeah. Basically, that's what you're living on. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. If United were able to maximize their commercial gain and not worry about debts or anything else, then they'd be the richest club in England. Mm. It's just the nature of where we are. And I'd rather have, it, yeah, I'd rather have the best run club in England than the than potentially the richest club in England. Well, the best run club is neither of our teams. No, no, I agree with you there. Although I'm very happy with the way that my club in England is being run, I have to say. You guys definitely definitely in the top half for the Premier League, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, I'd say. Well, top five, I would say. Well, Brighton. Brighton's first, without a shadow of a doubt in my my mind. Right, It's not even close. Yeah. Now, are they the best in Europe? Possibly. Possibly. I'm not sure. But they're they're up there. I'd throw Borussia Dortmund in there. Yeah. For competition. Yep. What do we make of Paris Saint-Germain? Joke of a club. Absolute Why? farce. Farce of a team. The team itself is a farce, no doubt. Yes. What about, what about the club? Do we really want to go into all the sports washing things and, and how Nasser Al-Khalifi cozied up to UEFA off the back of the Super League just to embed themselves more in no, the European I, 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 club I'm just, association? I'm just trying to see if you're filthy on UEFA or not, that's all. The same I mean, way I am filthy on I am, You know, we don't have personal agendas against FIFA UEFA, but we are filthy on <laughs> Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think UEFA is responsible for ruining it, ruining every small league in Europe. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, take your pick. Anyone from say Portugal down, right? I think the money that the clubs generate from the Champions League and well, predominantly the Champions League has ruined a lot of the football competitions, the domestic leagues, where you get the same champions every season. And a lot of it was already in in situ, like in Holland, for instance. But it just solidifies the best teams from the smaller leagues where it's so difficult to topple a giant because they have all that UEFA money. It's impossible. Mm, yeah. I think is to blame for ruining club football. There we go. So then were the clubs that were <clears throat> purporting to start the European Super League, were they were they out of school, were they? Were they out completely off the planet and actually trying to get this up and running as a means to counter UEFA? Well, the problem is, it's those clubs that were already solidified as the best teams in Europe, and therefore the world, they wanted even more money, and they wanted the gap between themselves and the rest to be even greater. Right. Okay. No, fair enough. Fair enough. I know with interest, though, that PSG have recorded uh, further financial losses, which makes you wonder how much money the Qataris are actually supporting to this thing. <laughs> well, small as <laughs> As they can't say, the... look, yes, we know we're not a video, a video pod, but yes, you know, Nathan's playing the world's smallest violin. Uh, <laughs> my my heart bleeds for the financial losses of Paris Saint Germain. Mm, mm. well, oh, you know, yeah. I wonder if uh, Manchester City is having similar losses. I don't suspect mm. they are. Mm. I mean, this is something you guys can look forward to as well. Similar sort of nah. reputation and stick Not that City all. and PSG get. Not at all. It's coming. Yeah, look, it might come, but from people that are jealous. <laughs> um, the fact is, is that look, the new owners have done very well to. Con- to Look, they've placed themselves very well. Yes, the sports watching me. I concede that that is a concern. There's no doubt about it. However, the biggest thing was that the ownership needed to change because it was anyone but Ashley. And when you get to that situation, that's how bad your club is. And the club was facing a third relegation within the last six years or seven years, right? So it was a downward spiral. It was a downward spiral and it had to change. Oh, it had to change. And our two clubs had the worst owners in the league. Right, yes, so yes, guys didn't take over. Correct. It Correct. was it was us two at the top of that list or the bottom, depending on how you want to order it, and then mm-hmm. daylight, and then the rest. Mm. I but think that... the Premier League should have done more. 
when it came to the Saudi takeover. And this is one of the reasons to why we're getting an independent football regulator in the UK. Yeah. From the government side of things that it's become clear that the Premier League can't self-regulate. Yeah. Because for mine, that takeover should have been stopped. Because it is clear. I disagree with you. Yes, Newcastle needed to be taken over. 100%. And it should have happened two years before, but it didn't because of the piracy broadcasting uh, rights that were happening, the piracy of the broadcasting rights that was happening within Saudi Arabia. As soon as that issue was resolved, the next day, you know, the. It wasn't uh, a moral reason. No, but okay. If you're talking about moral reasons, should Abramovich have uh, had Chelsea? Should, um, you know, should the Abu Dhabi. it's, you know, the royal family of Abu Dhabi actually owned Manchester City. No, they shouldn't have. Okay, so then you can't, you've already got a precedent. That's the problem. So, you know, so maybe the EPL should have uh, done something about it back then. Absolutely, and that's why they need an independent football regulator. Well, look, I don't, I don't think that'll resolve the issues that they have anyway. No, it, it shouldn't. It won't. No, sorry. No, it won't, I should say. It won't. It won't. And look, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, we've seen governments be involved in football here in Australia, and I can, you know, and that has caused its own issues as well, right? Um, yeah, so for for different reasons, right? But we know that if government gets involved with something, it generally goes, you know, goes to shit pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, and for that reason, just to tack on with the, I hope the Qataris don't take over Manchester United for the same reason. I think that's going to happen though. I don't, I, I, hope not. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, Laurie Whitwell might be the one that, you know, we need to try and get in touch yeah. with, right? I mean, we need to get him on every week just for another update. No, we don't, when, right? When I, nothing's I, changed. I, I, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Because we don't, I mean, I like Laurie, right? And I like you. <laughs> but I think we've already discussed Manchester United far too much already on this episode. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't even talking about the team necessarily. It was just ownership and everything no, surrounding right. that. That's right, that's right. But look, it's um like I said, you know, circling back to the UEFA chat, I, I fundamentally don't have a problem with looking at it. Hmm. Look, I do. If if you as we've delved in, as we've delved into, yeah, you know, if it's a success, then yes, you know. But like I said, I, I fundamentally don't have a problem with it, and I think UEFA are doing it because to position themselves in a way with that. They can flex their muscle to FIFA if they need to. Or one big dick measuring contest. Yes, that's one term I never thought we'd hear it on the pod, but yes, that's right. <laughs> well, it is. Well, and part it, of it's also look, keeping the part of it also is the keeping politics. the clubs on side, the likes yeah, of Real Madrid. Correct. It's the point want to football. increase their money so they can give more money to Real Madrid so to keep them from going mm. off and making their Super League. No, they still but, want the, to do. but the politics and, and the money of football actually go hand in hand, right? And that's where um, and that's where you've got this situation arising now. With regards to trying to appease Real Madrid, I don't think Real Madrid. UEFA, I don't think Real Madrid is UEFA's problem. UEFA need to appease the English clubs because England has become the Super League. It is that simple. And for anybody to deny that is mad because you don't see this money being poured into America, like into the MLS. You don't see this money being poured into South America, right? You don't see this money being poured into Asia. The issue is, is the English Premier League. Yep. Right now, hundred percent. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Okay, so and, and that is the Super League. But even within that, right? Yes, the Premier League is the Super League. Yes, if you did a mini tournament of, say, the bottom five teams from the top five leagues in Europe, yeah. I would hazard a guess that the Premier League teams would win every single time. Just the amount of money that is generated by those teams sure. in the bottom halves, teams from the continent wouldn't be able to compete. Yeah, okay. and but within that. Hang on a second. Gap- you had 13th place Sevilla beat third, uh, fourth place Manchester United. Juju, 
I'm going to no, no, don't give me Juju. Right? <laughs> don't give me Juju. The fact is, is that 13 placed Sevilla in La Liga knocked out fourth placed Newcastle, uh, Manchester United out of the Europa League. To be honest, not even 13 placed Sevilla. It was relegation threatened on their third manager of the season. Correct. With Alex Tellers at centre back, Sevilla. Correct. <laughs> um, but look, Sevilla in Europe is one thing, but generally the Premier League clubs are richer, have better teams. Than their counterparts in Europe, and and, and that's EFL's fault actually, because the EFL could have actually stopped that at the very beginning, but they, they lacked could have the foresight. That, yeah. They lacked the foresight and the vision to actually go. You know what? We need to, um, yeah. You guys go off and do it. It's not going to work. Well, you know what? It did work, and now you're paying for it. Because the story is what when the Premier League started, they offered the EFL what was it forty percent correct of the money generated by the Premier League to go correct. to the Football League. And which they is said the nah. second, third, and fourth tier. And now the EFL are coming back to the Premier League, hat in hand. Please, could we have 25%? Please. Correct. Correct. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Talk about back of the wrong horse. En- en- enough about England. Well, enough, I've enough got one more thing surrounding England. Oh, okay. If we must, let's go. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it'll be a short one. <laughs> no, nah, sure. It's Leah Williamson. Ooh, yeah. Look, that's no- that's noteworthy. That is noteworthy. And does that drastically change the Lionesses' chances in the Women's World Cup later on this year? I believe it does. I think it has to. Leah yeah. Williamson ruptured her ACL. Yeah. That's a big loss for England. Big loss That's for England. That's a huge loss. Yeah. Yes. Big loss. Um, yeah. I um, I would say that it would actually be similar to Spain um, and, you know, the issue that they have with their star player, Alexia Patias, right? Uh, that's... And I don't think she's actually going to be back in time for the Women's World Cup either. I think. Oh, really? I may, I may be wrong. I may be wrong. I haven't seen. I need to check that out. But yeah, I reckon Patias is uh, is going to. Um, she might be ju- right just in time. We'd have to check that out. But that's the kind of impact that you're having. I mean, she's Patias is the um, Ballon d'Or winner and the FIFA Best uh, Women's Player of the Year, and hasn't played. You know, only played half the year. But her impact was so great that you know that. Um, that she was awarded those prizes. Now, she is, to Spain, what uh, Williamson is to England. There's no doubt. She's the heart and soul of that team. Do you see a scenario now where England don't win the group? No, I see a scenario where England win the group. I, I don't know if I... I don't know how far how far along they're going to get, though. Look, I, I think they'll... I just hope that England and Australia can avoid each other in the round of 16. Well, the thing is, if Australia win their group and England comes second, they will face each other. They will. Well, I could... Well, Vice versa, right? If England finish first yeah. in their group and Australia finish second, well, then they'll play against each other in the round of sixteen. I would just like to think that that will that situation will be avoided because England's group also contains China and Denmark because the ones who you think would be the ones to overtake England if they do slip up. Yeah, I think Australia wins their group. So do I. I make them. I make them slight favourites. Just it all hinges on that Canada game and how mm. you know that 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 last game in the group in you know is going to be. Um, is, is going to be the one that um, where Australia's hopes are pinned on. And I found it interesting that this just this weekend, I was able to buy tickets for match 53, 1B versus 2D, which... Oh, you got tickets. Awesome. Yeah. Could Great. very well be the Matildas. Well, there you go. I'm, I was the... shocked that they were still available. No, they are, but I, I couldn't mm. get one for that game at that time, but maybe there was some another, like, you know, it was it was difficult. But mind you, I was able to pick up games for two, like tickets for two games. So, yep. um, yeah. 1B versus 2D is going to be at Homebush. 
Yeah, lost at the Olympic Stadium. Yeah, um, I got the round of sixteen for Allianz, which potentially would be uh, the United States versus Italy if Italy finished second in their group. But yeah, I was shocked to find that uh, not all awesome. tickets have been sold out yet. That's brilliant, and uh, happily good, snapped up some tickets. Good get, good get. Hard to get Australian group games at the moment. That's for sure. You can't get. I think, uh, I think yeah, Australia all sold out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, which yeah, is the scalpers, uh, scalpers now. Well, yeah. Good luck with that. But um, Australia, um, Ireland, phenomenal way, you know, to have that game virtually sold out. You know, unbelievable. A great curtain raiser for the Matildas campaign. Yeah, and then uh, Nigeria for Brisbane, if I'm not mistaken. They're like Brisbane. Yep. Uh, yeah, and then they finish off with Canada and Melbourne. Wow. Those tickets there, they'd be worth going down for that game. Mate. In fact, I think that that's going to be one of the games of the, the group phase. Hard to argue, really. Hard yeah. to argue. Mm. So, yeah. No, it'll be um, interesting Interesting to see how we um, progress toward the uh, Women's World Cup. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Laz, was there anything else that caught your eye this week? Ooh, I think, look, I think we've covered off everything. I mean, aside from Newcastle winning 6-1, you know. We definitely covered that off. We don't Don't try and bring it up again. You had your chance. No, no. Look, I was just trying. I was just trying to play it down because you know maybe I need to find uh, the Laurie Whitwell of uh, Newcastle United so we can get them um, or the or the George Colton that'd be or, or, or the Laurie Whitwell of Real Madrid. You know we can get them. Mm, on. Yep. But um, <laughs> but yeah, there you go. But um, yeah. Look, it's it's been an interesting week in football, and and there is an interesting weekend coming up. Um, you know, look, you know, the Premier League looks. Delicately placed. The championship is about to hit a crescendo there. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, well, yes, it's been decided, but it's the playoff spots that uh, the the ones that uh, need a bit of uh, finalising there. Syria. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to yeah. Sheffield United, mm. officially yep. promoted now. Yeah, there was a little bit of doubt on whether they'd properly slip up and let either Middlesbrough or Luton sneak yeah. in, but yeah. they've held out. And hey, there's uh, the race is on now for the uh, playoffs and you say the Premier League's finally poised I think I'm getting to the point now where the title's done top four's done yeah sure oh uh, yeah look almost it's, it's almost. not all done it's almost done the, almost. Look, I think yeah. one, one more week yeah by the time we record next week mm, it'll the results go the particular way yeah yeah and yeah. relegation I think is down to the bottom five teams yeah it's yeah. uh it's and- finalizing and the A-League is going to be, be fascinating this weekend as we mentioned previously it's yeah it's it's going to be great. That's top of my list for this weekend. The domestic front. Mm. No, I agree with you. I think I think Both the, the women's and the men's. Yeah, I think the A League is the um, the highlight of the weekend this weekend. So yeah, that and a potential Napoli Scudetto being secured. Correct. Correct. I think that aside, it is all eyes on the domestic front this weekend because, particularly on Saturday. Mm. No, very much so. Look, the other thing that caught my eye was Jacob Murphy's goal to make it three 0 against Spurs. <laughs> His reaction is amazing. Yeah, it was priceless, wasn't it? Priceless. <laughs> no, but I just thought I'll find that another opportunity just to stick oh, yes. that in, you know. Squeeze it in. <laughs> squeeze, squeeze it in. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, just look, there was a lot. It, it, and it's been great. It has been absolutely fantastic to see what's, um, what's been happening in the world of football. So it looks like we're going to have another interesting week. There's no doubt. Certainly does. Certainly does mm. indeed. Shall we go overseas, Les? Let's go overseas. Let's go overseas. Let's head to the V League. Yes. Uh, they're still on break. I was about to say that, but I believe they're still on the break. <laughs> but uh, in full Jeremy Clarkson style, 
Yes. This week I went on the internet and I found this. What did you find? That the V League mm. is pausing twice, as we've already seen. Yes. It was for the AFC Under-20 Asian Cup from right. February to April. Yep. And from April to May, it's for the 2023 Southeast Asian Games. Interesting. So that's why the V-League's been on break so often this season. There you go. So maybe not lazy bastards. There you go. No, maybe not lazy <laughs> bastards, but we can say that. <laughs> hey, listen, just quickly, there was one other thing that caught my eye, uh, oh, and, I, and I'm going to post it on uh, Instagram. Uh, there was a French referee mic'd up in Ligue 1, which uh, was fascinating, actually. Has he beat someone in the balls as well? No, he hasn't. Right. Elbowed someone in the face? Not elbowed. But Hadzadakis <laughs> is back this weekend, by the way, as well. In fact, I think he's back for tomorrow. I think he's actually at Manchester United Spurs, if I'm not mistaken, or Spurs Manchester United. But um, there you go. But this, um, the way that uh, this referee talks with the, and it's good to see referees mic'd up and actually you hear it, right? Um, but yeah, I, I can see that actually coming into um, into football. At some point, I don't know when, but at some point, because it will keep players honest in the professional sphere. Because if a referee's mic'd up, yeah, if a referee's mic'd up, you're not going to get a player stand there and abuse the referee, you know, and going, you know, like Grealish. I mean, you know, I don't don't want to pick on Jack because he seems to be a nice, charismatic boy, but every word is fuck all, fuck all, fuck all. (laughs) Like, seriously. I mean, yeah. we hear I that all the time in other sports that have Michael sure. refs. No, no, you don't. You don't hear it in rugby union. I'm sorry. Don't oh, no, that. yeah. Oh, you not to the referees anyway. Right. Yeah, hang on. That's but to different. be fair, to be fair, I don't watch rugby. So, but no, I understand that. But what I'm saying to you is though that, and look, that's my impression. I don't get to watch much rugby either, right? But the fact is, is that you see how they talk to the referees, and mm. it's okay, and it's not even technically to the law, to the letter of the game, right? Hey, and I'm the last one who actually does it. I, I do it every time, right? I actually swear at myself. I shouldn't, but I do, right? <laughs> a referee can actually book me under the rules of the game, as they are. If a referee hears me say, I'm off on the field, I can go get booked for offensive language. We need to get some footage of this, lads, and put it up. No, we don't. I can tell you, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. That's the last thing we need, I can tell you. <laughs> That last thing you need is to see other forty fives play. I can tell you, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Look, we enjoy it, you know, especially the beers afterwards. But that's about it. Should we go to? Yeah, because the season hasn't been great so far, but long way to go. Um, Any more nine nils? No, no. And if there are, I'm denying them. So, <laughs> uh, yes. So let's go to Colombia, shall we? Mm-hmm. Let's go and let's see what happened in the Apertura. America de Cali, we had a 2-1 win against Deportivo Pereira. Uh, that us up into uh, fourth place now. Very good. Very good. And we actually play tomorrow morning against uh, Millonarios. Millonarios. Down towards the bottom of the table, so uh, expecting three points for uh, the Red Devils. Okay. Well, well, Deportivo Cali hosts Atletico Junior, so... Atletico Junior uh, in ninth, and Deportivo Cali uh, climbed up the table to 16th. Oof. Yes. So, the, the yeah. dizzy heights. The dizzy heights, because we had a 2 1 win on. Uh, sorry, no, we didn't. Hang on. My apologies. I need my glasses. 3 0 win, I should say, against the Alianza Petrolera. Very good. Yeah. So, Very good. So, steady, you know, slowly but steadily, we're climbing up the ladder there. And there's a very important match coming up early next week, Laz. Uh, I believe that's the Cali Derby. It is indeed. Yes. Monday yes. morning at 20 past nine Sydney time. Yeah. The Cali Derby. Might have to try and find a, a stream to watch it. 
Mm. So there Somehow. You go. Have we hit the back peg, Nathan? I think we have, Laz. I think we have. Great. Uh, thank you for a great show once more. Yeah, no, thank great you. Get. For, thank Mal. you for Thank you for your company. Thank you to all the backpeckers there and uh, have a great week. Yeah, do follow the socials at the backpeg on Insta and Twitter. Send us your feedback, any questions you want us to answer in the up lights. We're happy to field any any questions, any dicey ones, any uh, ones that might uh, cause us to trip up, perhaps. 100%. Uh, any feedback as well, greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, we appreciate all the support, but uh, we'll speak to you soon. Take care, guys.